morning. So, so the kids are dismissed. Yeah, it's all good. But um, also, I, Annie told me, don't forget Uncle John. My Uncle John, uh, Don, his husband. He says, especially greetings to everybody. I went and tell everybody I love them. I love them. I love them. He just keeps coming up to people and saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. So he's full of love, and um, he really wanted to be remembered by you and, and send his love to you all. Okay, so um, before we start, I just wanted to um, give thanks to God one more time for this word. So l- please join me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for the word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us to this point right now, this point where we um, come before the word of God it, uh, in, in, um, increase our faith. May it uh, dwell in us richly. May it cause us to change and to uh, bring us alive and to bring us to the point of hope. Hope, Lord, when things look hopeless. So we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I wanted to turn to Lamentations chapter three. If you're going to have, uh, if you want to follow along with me a little bit, it's not. We're not going to talk about the whole, the whole scripture, but we're going to talk a few, a few verses in it, um, verse twenty-one through twenty-six. But lamina- lamentations it means it means to lament. It means um, there's a problem. It means that things aren't going so well. And I'm sad, or I'm sorrowful, or I'm uh, in despair. And the just a little background on where we're gonna where we're gonna pick it up at. Um, so it was actually yesterday, January fifteenth, two thousand six hundred and seven years ago. That Nebuchadnezzar the uh, second ended up sieging the city of Jerusalem, and this is where. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah, now this is debatable amongst theologians and scholars today whether Jeremiah is the actual author of Lamentations. A lot of people think he is, a lot of, some say he isn't, but it doesn't really matter. The whole point is, is that Jeremiah was there, and Jeremiah was uh, what they call the weeping prophet because he had this passionate heart for the people. Jeremiah was only, he was like King David. King David was 17 years old when he killed Goliath. And the Lord, uh, the spirit of the Lord came on him and he ran towards his giant with the stone and, uh, and the giant fell. And Jeremiah was actually 17 years old when the Lord called him also. So I want to encourage everybody in here that's 17 or more. That, uh, yeah, you don't have to, again, I'll say this, I have said this before, you don't have to wait till you're 40, 50 years old till the Lord calls you. It starts early. It can start early. So what we're going to talk about today is finding hope when things look hopeless. I prayed. I prayed and I prayed, Holy Spirit, lead me to the scripture that you want for us. So this wasn't really my idea. But I believe that the Holy Spirit led me here. And uh, what we're going to look at is this here. Verse 21. We'll start reading that. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. 
Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail, and they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I wait for him. And the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him, and it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So Jeremiah was feeling hopeless because what happened when Nebuchadnezzar seized Jerusalem, he he didn't just come in and, and you know set up camp. He destroyed the whole thing, the temple, everything. Um, there was a lot of killing going on, unfortunately. All the high priests, the great, the, all the leaders of the of the of the Israelites, they were they were all um, you know their lives were taken from them, and then they were led into this captivity, and there was women with children that were dying, and it was a, just a total total disaster. And Jeremiah was upset because he actually prophesied this to them, because the problem was is that people turned from God and God asked them to turn back to him and they wouldn't. They were more interested in sinning than they were in the holiness of God. And that's when God decided that, okay, that's enough is enough. I'm going to, I'm going to um, take some action here. So during the midst of this, Jeremiah finds himself there looking at all this um, despair. And the first thing he does there, he, and these are three things that we can do when we find ourselves looking at despair. So the first thing he did in verse 21, it says there, yet I call this to mind. So the first thing he did, he thought about it. He thought about something. And the challenges for us is that when the situation is bad, are desperate, are hopeless, to rise above that circumstance and above that challenge and bring to mind what God has done. That's the challenge. Because sometimes when you are faced in front of the challenge of, of the hopelessness in front of you, you can't see anything but that. So it's a real challenge. You have to call to mind. So Jeremiah, the first thing he did, yet this I called to mind. And what did he recall? He recalled the previous experiences of God. All the previous experience, experiences and therefore, and another way to describe the word therefore is consequently. And then consequently, it led, it led him to hope. When the situation is critical in front of you and you recall God's goodness, consequences are it will lead you to a seed of hope. At least start you there. And then in verse 24, The next thing he did, he said something. I said to myself, God is everything to me. 
I said to myself, the Lord is my portion. Another way to describe the word portion is everything. He's my lot in life. I have nothing else. The Lord is my portion. I have nothing else. He is my destiny. And I will wait for him. So, in Mark 11:22, Jesus said, and I said this before, whatsoever you say, you believe in your heart and you shall receive, you have to speak these things. Faith and hope is motion activated. You know those those um, faucets when you go into a now in the airport. You know you don't. You, I look and I go. There's no handle here. Right? It's like somebody's stuffed up. They forgot to put the handle or the turn the faucet. But actually, you just wave your hand there, and then the water comes on. It's motion activated. It's like hope and faith. You think about it. And then you recall it, and Psalm 136 says, Praise the Lord, he is good, his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. We have to praise God. We continue to um, rejoice, and I continue to say, when I'm facing adversity, I continue to say, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in God's power. I'm fighting against this. It might look bad right now. It might look like I have a disadvantage, but with my words, I'm fighting back. I'm thinking, and then I'm speaking. And that's what Jeremiah did. I said to, he said to himself, the Lord is my portion. God's my life. He's my lot. He's my destiny. Verse 26, he then takes action. It is good to wait. Isn't that a funny thing? We usually think action is running around and doing all kinds of things. But what is the action here? He just sat there. He waited. That's actually something to do. That's an action. Waiting is a verb. It's an action. He stays put. He's being patient. He's believing that God will help. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The salvation. It's all about your your health and your benefit, your goodness. His goodness towards you, that's the salvation. And when you seek God, He will help you. When you seek God, in the midst of all hopelessness and the way things look and circumstances, he will help you. Let's look at this part of the scripture here. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Because of his mercies, we are not consumed. His mercies never cease. They begin again every morning. Never cease means past, present, and future. 
every morning, the beginning of the morning. It's the first action in the morning, regardless of the circumstances, despite how we feel and despite what the circumstances look like, God's mercies are new every morning. They begin again. Isn't that something that we can jump onto and hang on to that? That is a real great promise for us. So what I wanted to give you a little lesson on the word consumed, because I gave it to myself. I said, what does that mean? I asked myself. So, because I don't know how to read Hebrew, but I did anyway. I went into my big book. It's really fat, and it's got all the Hebrew words in it. And it told me this. Consumed means this. So, if you were a Jew and you were reading this, and they do read this a lot, like on a certain, every year they read the book of Lamentations, third third chapter, they actually chant the whole thing, and it's it's, there's quite a lot of ceremonial stuff that goes on with lamentations. But it means, consumed means in the negative. It means dried up. It means perish. It means we're finished. It means we're over, that we vanish, that we're burned away, that they're destroyed, that they die, that they're doomed to fail, and that they met their end, and that they're spent. That's the Hebrew definition of consumed. But the interesting part that I found was that it also told me the positive side of it. That if you weren't consumed, what does it mean? It means this in the Hebrew. It means you have health. It means you have soundness. You're blameless. You're flawless. You're perfect. You're innocent. You have integrity. You're quiet. You're strong. Your record is cleared. You're righteous. You are without defect. You are whole and you are truth. Isn't that amazing? The first one was so desperate and despaired and negative, but the actual opposite of that are all those good things that we know that the Bible continuously tells us that we're healthy. We are a sound mind. I have a sound mind. Right? We can we can start quoting scriptures. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. In it, there's healing in his hands, healing under his wings. Healing and salvation through the blood of Jesus. Righteousness. You're made perfect because of the blood of Christ. In God's eyes, we're made perfect without blemish and righteous. Because of the blood of Christ, that's who we are. And because 
the world is not burned up today for all its sin is for one reason only. God's mercies are new every morning. So people say, how come, like, what's going on with this world? Why? Why is it still functioning? Why is it still turning? If I was God, this world wouldn't be here anymore. But because God's mercies are beyond understanding and new every morning, we can get up and we have health, soundness, we're blameless, flawless, perfect, innocent, quiet, strong, and our record is cleared. You remember when I told you about the record? If you if you have a criminal record and and the courts wipe it off, say they don't charge you, right? That's fine. But if you, if you go to the border, the border guard will still put your uh, your name in there and your record will still come up because you need to get your record. It's called a sponged. It means you have to pay a lawyer $600 and then they'll wipe it right off your name. This is the same meaning here. God doesn't forgive your sins and then say, yeah, there's a record here. When your sins are forgiven, your record is expunged. They can't put it up in the system and go, oh, by the way, we see that you, you know, you did something wrong 40 years ago. It doesn't work like that. The record is cleared. When we get to the point where we say, God is all I have, when I reach the point, when I say, Father, you are all I have, I have reached the point of maximum hope. When you are at the lowest negative, you actually reach the highest positive. When I have nothing but God, I have everything because I have God. My lowest negative becomes my greatest positive. And my son knows, and I've said it to him many times, and my wife, and I don't preach it to you because I might have a little controversy, but I said there comes a time sometimes when you have to stop praying and start trusting. Dylan said, well, you don't have to stop praying. I said, well, then you need to finish praying and start trusting. Because the prayer tends to become a bit worrisome. Oh, I'm worried about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm worried about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm worried about it. I'm going to pray about it. Stop worrying about it and commit it and leave it. I call it PCR. Pray, commit, release. We say that at our house, my wife and I. PCR. Pray, commit, release it. Leave it. Comes a time when we got to stop. We don't always need to have a plan. Sometimes we just need to breathe, trust, let go, and see what happens. And we're not just going all pie in the sky. Oh, no. No, no. We're going... God Almighty has it in his control. When you apply the blood of Jesus to your life, that allows God to come into your life. Anytime you have a circumstance and say, I plead the blood of Jesus over this situation right now, that, that means, Dad, 
you can come into the life and you can enter into this situation because I pleaded the blood of Christ. That's when you get God coming in. Because the blood, Jesus, when he died and rose, he went straight back to heaven and he put the blood there and now the blood of Christ is forever in front of God, flowing in front of him. And everything that he sees about you, when you apply that blood, he sees, he sees that blood and he sees you as innocent. He sees you as Jesus. And that allows him that ability to come in. So we get to the point of maximum hope. The lowest negative equals the greatest positive. And sometimes we need to finish praying and start trusting. Psalm 137 says, Hope in the Lord, for the, the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. You know, in real life, we have, if I can just name a couple, well, number one, I would think that marriage, marriage breakups, that's one thing. My, our, our family friend um, was telling us that she just found out her husband was cheating on her. She was serving the Lord, doing all kinds of things for the Lord in the church, in the world, preaching and singing, and then she finds out that the husband is cheating on her. Where's she going to find her hope? Marriage breakups, family issues. How many have more than teenagers and kids that are growing? There's a lot of concerns as a parent. There's things that we're concerned about. We have financial issues. We have health issues, work issues. We have enemy issues. We have dangerous issues. There's a lot going on out there. There's a lot of challenges coming at us. And I haven't even scratched the surface with the political issues, which are even becoming more and more increasing as time goes on. You can't even say anything anymore without somebody pointing at you and saying you said the wrong thing. So the thing is, how do we do this? So God has led us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It says in Colossians 1.13, from a life of forgiveness of sins to joy, a life of emptiness to fullness, a life of sadness to joyfulness. And the question is, how do I do it? And as a church, you might think, why do we pray in the name of Jesus? It's a good question. Is it just a ritual? Is it a tradition? I want to give you some scriptures here. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. This is John 16, 23 and 24. Very, very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. 
Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. John 15, 11, and 16. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now, I'm not talking about, I don't think Jesus is talking about I want a Ferrari here, or I need my Lamborghini tomorrow. This is some stuff where I'm working, I'm, I'm, um, I'm working out my relationship. I'm, I'm claiming hope. I'm speaking. I'm believing. I'm putting my whole heart into this. And I'm using the name of Jesus to get me to the point of victory. We have many, many songs about the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. The beautiful name of Jesus, the name above all names, And John 14, 13, and I will do, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. People tell me, well, you know, Ben, if I become more and more into Jesus, then that means the devil's going to become more and more into me. I said, oh, hang on a sec. You're telling me that if you start following Jesus, that you're afraid that the devil's going to start following you more and start tormenting your life and ruining everything for you? He said, yeah, that's what my concern is. That way, if I don't have Jesus in my life, then the devil's going to leave me alone. And Jesus said, I said to them, tell me this. Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And if all power is given to Jesus, how much power does the devil have? Nothing. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Don't be afraid to go after Christ. Don't worry about the enemy. He doesn't have any power. He has power in the world because the, the world doesn't know Christ. They don't have the name of Christ. They don't have the blood of Christ. Matter of fact, it's even worse than that. They don't even know about Christ. So where is your hope? Who are you placing your hope in? And is your hope permanent and trustworthy? And if you make Jesus your hope, he is more than trustworthy. Because life is a journey. Life is a journey, not a destination. My mother used to have that sign downstairs in the hallway. Life is a journey, not a destination. And you can know in your mind about God's love, and you can know in your mind and 
and reading books about him being there for people and putting their hope in him. But if you don't know him and you don't feel him and you don't trust him on a daily basis, it's going to be really, really difficult to trust him with the big things in the future. People say, why do you pray on a daily basis? Because I need to touch base with God every day. I don't want to just pray when all of a sudden I'm in trouble. I mean, I recommend that. But I also recommend doing it on a daily basis. So that when the big times come, the big decisions come, we can trust Him for the future. And it's not just words. It's not just head knowledge. So ask him, ask Jesus in his name, ask him to make himself real. Make yourself real in my life, Lord, in my time of need when I need a Savior. conclusion, I'd like to give you these beautiful verses from the prophet Jeremiah. 29.13 You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that word seek, when you seek God, it means you're looking for him to help you. It's not just so I can go, wow, I saw God doesn't mean anything other than I saw the big God, but it means when I find him, he's going to be there with me forever and will help me. He's going to help us. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. That first part of that verse, I just want you to let that sink in. I have drawn you with an everlasting love. In our world today, it's kind of, well, we feel like if you have a marriage that lasts more than 20, 30 years, you got lucky. We don't understand this everlasting business. God's not just there for a few days or a few years, and maybe if things go wrong, he's going to ditch like we do. He's not like us. It's everlasting. It's a covenant. It's the blood covenant. In communion, we drink the blood of Jesus. That's a blood covenant. And lastly, Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for you. Not one single circumstance or hopeless situation that we are facing is too hard for God. 
my greatest joy in life is coming into a difficult situation and knowing that without God, I'm totally, I'm totally finished. If God does not work in this situation, I have absolutely zero hope. I am at the lowest of negatives, but that causes me to go to the highest positive because my hope is in God. And over the years, I've watched him come through time and time again. And I am absolutely amazed and, and mind blown the way that he can do things. Things I wouldn't ever even thought of. The Lord has performed for me. So the Lord's mercy is there forever. And I just pray that we seek it and that we claim it today. Okay? Lord bless you. I love you. And the Lord loves you forever. So, thank you.